All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. That John Denver guy was full of crap. You know, I thought the Rockies would be a little more rocky than this. Hello from the Mile High City. Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is June 1st. It is day 31 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'm not exactly sure what I just witnessed in game one of the Western Conference Final. Welcome in to Chris Gear, former Vancouver Canucks Assistant General Manager and Chief Legal Officer. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I don't know if I've caught my breath yet after watching that track meet. What a wacky game. It was uh, had a little bit of everything. Like, like, like you say in your tweets sometimes, it's all happening. Or everything is happening. Yep. Yeah, the classic Bob Cole line. Everything was happening in game one on Tuesday night. 14 goals, four different goaltenders used, almost a four-goal lead blown in the third period by the Colorado Avalanche, and no shortage of controversy with an offside video review. We'll dive into it. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's talk about those 14 goals scored. The Avs put up eight, including an empty netter. They chased Mike Smith, who allowed six goals, on 25 shots for the Edmonton Oilers, pulled uh, before the midway point in the second period. And Darcy Kemper left the game with an injury as well, uh, seeding the net to Pavel Fransuz, who was okay, but struggled a little bit in the third period, allowing three goals on 21 shots. When you look at this game, Chris, and what stood out to me was the pure speed from the abs. You know, this Oiler team is fast. They skated with the abs in the regular season. It's such a change of pace between what they saw against the Calgary Flames, what they saw against the Los Angeles Kings. I don't know if they had a tough time adjusting and it was just game one 
or if this is something that we'll end up seeing throughout the series that the Oilers can't quite keep up, they're going to need to make a pretty significant adjustment for game two. Yeah, it's a great point, Frank. And, you know, just, just watching this game, obviously it was was close until the very end, but it felt like a game that Colorado was in control of the entire game despite the score. I felt like if, if you know, Colorado had scored a couple more goals early on, this was going to be an absolute blowout. And, and what I really liked from Colorado was the, the bottom six. Guys like Logan O'Connor and Cogliano. And I like that they substituted Newhook in for Obey Kubel. I thought, you know, that th- those guys in the bottom six were just – on all night, they were in Edmonton's zone. They were creating havoc. Uh, picked up a couple of goals, you know. And then obviously McKinnon, just you know, he was he was on fire all night. Rantanen looked a little better than he has in the playoffs. So yeah, I think I think Edmonton's got a lot to contend with, and uh, Mike Smith is obviously going to have to be an awful lot better if they're going to have a chance in this series. Yeah, so not exactly a surprise, Chris, that the Colorado Avalanche were able to score a ton. Are you concerned with the Oilers' ability to keep pucks out of their own net, or is this just a game one for Mike Smith in a series of game ones for him so far in the playoffs? An 8-14 save percentage in game one as the Oilers have now lost all all three game ones to start their playoff journey. And Mike Smith has rounded, though, 9-57 save percentage in all the other games, not game one. So do you think the Oilers find a way to bounce back? Yeah, I mean, I guarantee they bounce back from from this type of game because they showed that they're capable of that in the series against Calgary. I mean, giving up nine in that game, uh, eight in this game one. You know, clearly they're going to tighten some things up. Um, they'll, they'll get used to the av speed. They'll, they'll they'll make the adjustments. Um, you know, overall, do I think they can overcome the, the way the Avs play and the way they're constantly bringing pressure and, and speed? You know, I don't know, but um, but I do think that Mike Smith will be better, and I do think they'll they'll tighten some things up defensively, and we won't see 14 goals uh, in the next game for sure. Yeah, Oilers coach Jay Woodcroft throwing a little bit of shade at the Colorado Avalanche netminders, and the Darcy Kemper injury does loom large here. When you look at uh, at Kemper's marks uh, throughout the, the playoffs so far, an 8.97 save percentage. François 889. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear him kind of continue to go at that throughout his press conference. We get, we got six goals past their tandem in their building. He seemed to be pretty confident. And here's the thing. He was saying a lot of the same things about Jacob Markstrom last round. Hey, their goalie played 63 games. He kept pointing that out. And the the Flames never had an answer for the Oilers and their scoring. The thing is, this time around, the Colorado Avalanche are a different animal. And to that point as well, Jay Woodcroft, a really interesting spot in game one, Chris. And that was the offside video review towards the end of the first period and the dying seconds. In fact, Kale McCarr enters the offensive zone, does not touch the, uh, the puck once he crosses the blue line. As you see, his teammate Valerie Nichushkin there exiting the zone. This was a a classic tag up play the i think by the chris it's fair to say by the letter of the law by the rule book the nhl made the correct call and and their director of officiating Stephen walcom on site in the building at ball arena to oversee this entire process so yes when you look at it kel mccard doesn't touch the puck until a little bit after nachushkin clears the zone but was this the spirit of the rule? Was the correct call made at the end in terms of 
what offside should or shouldn't look like in your view? I don't think so, Frank. I mean, I, to me, Kale McCarr is in possession and control of that puck as he crosses the blue line. Whether it's a little bit off his stick or not, to me, is irrelevant. Uh, you've got a case here where Nachushkin is, you know, a foot inside the blue line. We've seen so many goals overturned over the last few years where they're looking at, you know, millimeters over the blue line for these offside calls. And now this one's suddenly different because, you know, the, the puck is pushed off of Makar's stick. You know, I just, I just don't like it. I think it's, I think it's the wrong call. I get that they were trying to interpret the rule book very technically. You know, it's a lot like the uh, the Coleman goal off the skate that happened in the Calgary series. Like these these technicalities, and you know, they shouldn't be happening. They're 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 tough on fans. They delay the game, and they happen at critical moments. I mean, this was this made it a three two game, and sort of changed the outcome of the game a little bit. So. I don't know how it gets better or gets fixed, but uh, I didn't like the call. How about you? Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, Makar is clearly attempting to enter the zone with possession. It just happens. You know, there seemed to be a lot of credit given to Cal Makar and certainly never underestimate his brilliance as a player. But he, he, he did admit after the game that he was trying to buy as much time as possible for Nachushkin to leave the zone. But I don't think, you know, look at where his head's at. He's not even really looking at Nachushkin and where he's going. Um, it just happened to be pure luck in this case. I think the intent um, was still for him to carry it into the zone and, and push it forward. Jay Woodcroft was saying after the game, look, I, that's not the reason we lost. But I don't think there's any doubt that it was a huge swing in momentum. For one, the Oilers had just scored a tying goal less than nine seconds earlier. And not only that, but because the review went the other way, the Oilers were hit with a penalty. The Avs scored early in the second period. It's a two-goal swing, which ends up being the margin of victory for the Colorado Avalanche. To me, I just think the Oilers were in a spot where they felt like they were making the right challenge. Jay Woodcroft being a former video coach himself. And it, it's rare to see teams get offside challenges wrong. In this case, I think we were all shocked in the arena, watching the replays, seeing everything over and over again to see this is what the NHL ultimately came up with because I think Makar pushing it into the zone, it was pretty clear what he was trying to do. It just happened to be by dumb luck that he didn't end up touching it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's funny that uh, the, the play in Calgary goes in the Oilers' favor and then this one goes against them. So maybe in some way it's, uh, it's justice persevering here. But, you know, I thought, I thought well, the Oilers ha had some really good play. I mean, the, the Nugent Hopkins pass over to Kane to spring him and then the dry settle play over to McDavid. Like the goals that Edmonton scored were, were beautiful goals, but I, I didn't think they sustained enough pressure or overall created enough. And so they kept the game close, but, you know, they need to do a lot more if they're going to compete in this series. I know it was another three-point night as well from Connor McDavid, but he just didn't have the same juice that he had in the Calgary series. I thought he spent a lot of game one actually paying too much attention to what Nathan McKinnon was doing on the other end to then kind of try and get his own game going. And it wasn't until the third period when we start to see some score effects and the abs sitting back that uh, the Oilers really seemed to rev things up. Going to be a fascinating game too. And I don't know if we could have in any different stylistic matchup, Chris, then game one in the Eastern Conference with the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Rangers going head-to-head -head at Madison Square Garden, 8 p.m. Eastern, puck drop. Um, 
when you look at this, what, what are the keys to the series for the New York Rangers who arrive at this Eastern Conference final after their five-year rebuild, perhaps a little bit ahead of schedule, playing with house money, but now going up against the two-time defending cup champs? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this is a goaltender's battle, and I think uh, we can just assume that both of those guys are going to play lights out. So then it comes down to what other players can become factors on these teams. And, you know, if, if Zibanejad and Fox and Kreider and and uh, Panarin, if they can play up to the level of, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Stars, Stamkos and Kucherov, and, you know, I don't know if Point's coming back. I think Point, if Point doesn't come back in the series, that's a that's a big lift for the Rangers because they'll uh, Tampa will miss him. But I think those those Rangers stars need to step up to the level of the Tampa stars, and then you need to continue to have performances like we've seen from, you know, Barkley Goodrow and and Ryan Lindgren just lying down in front of pucks and sacrificing their bodies. I've really been impressed by the Rangers' commitment to winning and their their just gutsy performances. So. You know, I, I think um, Tampa is definitely going to be favored here quite heavily, but the Rangers just have that it factor going on right now. They've won five elimination games in a row and they, they're playing for each other and they're playing hard and they're playing gutsy. So I think uh, anything can happen. There's no questioning the Rangers' commitment to win. My question is, can they commit to cutting down on their mistakes that they make? at you know various points on the ice, whether it's in the neutral zone, whether it's in their own end and defensively, there's not going to be a significant margin for error here when dealing with a Tampa team that capitalizes easily on mistakes. And, and that's going to be the big test for me is for a Rangers team that has had, you know, the knock on them all season long has been the, the volume and quality of chances that they've given up and they've been saved a lot by Igor Shesterkin. They played a bit cleaner as the series went on against the Carolina Hurricanes, found their way to to wade through a lot of what Carolina threw at them. But this is a totally different matchup, a different animal. And this Tampa team is coming in with nine days between games, fully rested after playing more hockey than anyone over these last three years. This is going to be a, a challenge. And, and as much as we've got the star power up front offensively, McDavid, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, McCarr, you know, go down the list, Ranton and these unbelievable players that are in the Western Conference final. It's all in net in the East. And I'm wondering if we end up seeing more goals in one game in the West than we do in the entire East final. <laughs> Very well could be. I mean, you know, Shesterkin and Vasilevsky are absolute stars and they rise to the occasion. And, you know, Vasilevsky's proven over the course of the last two championship runs that he's not going to let in many goals. And I think Shesterkin... Over the, over the last series, especially showing that he's rounding in a form in these playoffs. So, yeah, we could we could be in for an excellent goaltender's duel. Speaking of series, we're now down to the final four, and that means we're taking a look back at the teams that have bowed out so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs to take a look back at their season and also really what lies ahead. And today is the Nashville Predators, a fascinating offseason for the Preds in that they had a pending unrestricted free agent in Philip Forsberg, who they decided to keep at the deadline in firm playoff position. His next contract looms large. It's going to be a significant one. My guess is an AAV that starts with at least a nine coming off another 40-goal season. They got some incredible production from some guys that was probably pretty unlikely in the sense that 
Matt Duchesne, where did that 43-goal season come from? Ryan Johansson, backup producing at the level closer to what we expected with that $8 million a year deal. And Forsberg, as we mentioned, 42 goals, and he's a pending UFA. When you take a look, Chris, at this video that we saw of Philip Forsberg leaving the ice as the Nashville Predators were swept at Bridgestone Arena, just really stood out to me. Take a look at how long Philip Forsberg, his teammates, they're sliding off the ice. And he's just uh, just kind of giving it a, an extra lap, an extra look, just in case this is the last chance or last view that he has of Bridgestone Arena as a Pred. When you look at that, what, does it tell you anything? Does it, does it give you any insight into what he may be thinking as the offseason is here? Yeah, well, it tells me that, that either he's made up his mind that he's played his last game in Nashville, or he's certainly open to the possibility of leaving and he's trying to soak it up for one last time in case that possibility happens. You know, the, the thing with the Predators, it, it was unfortunate that Saros got hurt because they didn't really get a chance to to do what they might have been able to do in the playoffs, although, you know, we know that going up against Colorado was probably a waste of eight days, as, uh, as our friend in Calgary uh, liked to tell us. But, you know, it's it's difficult. You end up with a UFA in Forsberg, and if he leaves, you don't get anything for him other than the cap space to replace him. You know, that's that's a challenge, and, and you wonder whether David Poyle maybe should have made um, – a different choice, knowing that they were likely to face Colorado, that it was likely going to be a quick uh, playoff exit, and and maybe he needed to to start maximizing assets. Uh, I'm sure they would have had conversations with Forsberg throughout the season and, and known his stance or what it would take. And you know, so if if they end up uh, without Forsberg, then you know it's a missed opportunity for sure. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I think your point is really well made. Also, in that if he hasn't made up his mind to leave, that he's at least open to the possibility, which I think is half the battle. You get to this point, you know, the Preds have drawn a line in the sand, I believe. Roman Yossi is our leading scorer. He's our MVP, one of the MVP candidates in the league. You're going to have to get in line on the salary cap behind him. We're not paying you more than Roman Yossi. And so is that enough to keep his $9 million flat enough to keep Philip Forsberg? Can he get more on the open market? Play driving wingers are rare in the NHL, let alone ones that produce like Philip Forsberg does. That's the other part of the equation though, for the Preds is they look like a totally different team without him and perhaps are even going a step backwards as you wonder if guys like Johansson, if guys like Duchesne can have that same level of production that they had last season to do it again next year when they were sort of career anomalies and that looked like they were heading in the total opposite direction. This is going to be a season or summer potentially of change for the Nashville Predators. Let's get to our next wave segment with Chris Peters. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pleased to welcome Chris Peters back to the Daily Faceoff show for another edition of The Next Wave, delivered by DoorDash. Chris, when you take a look at you, you've got probably all the material you need, all the, the viewings and video clips, and you're beginning to compile your list as NHL teams are well in the process of doing ahead of the NHL draft on July 7th and 8th to be held in Montreal. The Canadians have the number one overall pick. And there just seems to be an interesting debate that continues to bubble under the surface here. A lot of people believe, Chris, depending on who you talk to, that Shane Wright is the clear-cut number one pick. But Uri Slavkovsky had a really interesting world. And Logan Cooley, of course, uh, was in a spot where he had generated some buzz from you at the midseason point. Is this a clear-cut case for Shane Wright, or is it more complicated than that? I think it's growing more complicated as we've as we've gone on and certainly your Slavkovsky playing in the world championship made a significant impact in how they've been perceived it, it, that's another instance of him going to an international tournament just as he did at the olympics where he scored seven goals and was the mvp and then he was a top line winger for a slovakia team that did include a couple of nhl players um and then they ended, ended up managing making it to the playoff round and he was a key player he was averaging over 20 minutes a game of ice time in that tournament so that's one of the key differences between what Slopkowski has done internationally and what he has done in Finland playing professionally you look at his numbers there they do not look like numbers that a top pick would have however he is 6 foot 4 he's about 220 pounds he's got power elements he's got skill he's got an elite shot all of those things come into play and I think what we've seen is that his season has progressed in such a way that he's much better now than he was at the start. And so there's a lot of debate, not about Shane Wright's ability. Everybody knows that he's good. The issue is what is his potential and what is his ceiling versus these other two players? You can talk to anybody and they'll say, Logan Cooley's got a higher ceiling. Some might say one of the defensemen has a higher ceiling. Some might say Slavkovsky has a higher ceiling. And a lot will say Shane Wright has the highest ceiling of any prospect. But that's the real debate that the Canadians are having to go through right now. Kent Hughes has said he is not going to make a decision. They are not going to make a decision until July. They're going to get to the end of this month. They're going to go through all their meetings. They, they, they're at the combine right now. They're going to go in through all that. And he has said potential is one of the most important factors. And to me, that's a signifier. That's one of those little signifiers, like a little hint, a little breadcrumb to say it's not a lock that Shane Wright is their number one choice. Let's switch gears a little bit, Chris. Uh, June 1st is the deadline under the CBA for teams to sign uh, prospects from the draft two years ago if they're not in college uh, or four years ago if they went over and played in Europe. Is there anybody that is 
not going to be signed today that will raise some eyebrows? Uh, and if so, why? And what's what's the situation with that player? Yeah, the the one that's that's getting pretty interesting is Minnesota's first round pick from 2018, Philip Johansson. He was drafted in the Paul Fenton era of that team, and he was a, a controversial first round pick at the time. The Wild, based on you know reports, I believe Mike Russo was first to report this, and also I've had sources indicate for some time that this that he was not going to be signed. That the Wild were going to take the compensatory second round draft pick as a result of not signing him. That's the that's the guy that's going to be moving. Now, I'll say that Philip Johansson has shown flashes of, of NHL potential, but he has very rarely shown anything that would suggest that he should have been a first round draft pick. I didn't have him ranked in in, in my draft rankings at all the year that he did go in the first round. Um, I did have him as an intriguing late rounder because you could see those little flashes. He's a, he was a very smart player, moved pucks well, but the offense wasn't really there and it hasn't shown up yet. So he's a guy that's kind of floated around the edges of Sweden's national team program and other things like that. He's never really been a guy that's taken charge. And so in my opinion, the Wild are getting the better deal here by taking the compensatory pick by not signing him and relinquishing his rights. So with that compensatory pick, the Wild will get an extra second-round pick. They will have two uh, in this upcoming draft. Chris, as you mentioned, uh, the NHL's – a lot of their front offices, GMs, and scouts are in Buffalo at the moment for the NHL Combine, conducting interviews this week, going to dinner with top prospects. What are you expecting to learn, or what are they expecting to learn, if anything, at this combine? It feels like there's been less emphasis than ever before on the fitness testing portion, which wraps up on Saturday, and that a lot of this seems to be getting to know the the person as opposed to the player. Yeah, without having had the combine the last couple of years, teams are relishing the opportunity to get a face-to-face meeting with these players. Most times you'll have scouts, they'll have their conversations, they'll talk to guys, they'll talk to people around the player, and now they have a chance to go face-to-face in a room with that player and get to know them a little bit better and, and also kind of get get a sense and a feel for, for what they're all about. I think, you know, Kent Hughes said yesterday on the Canadian's website that basically, you know, this is a hugely important thing is to get these meetings. We really want the character of the player, who the person is, the way they answer questions, what, what makes them tick. Those, all those things are going to be folded into the decision process. So having the combine and having the interview process back really helps. There's 86 players that teams are going to have a chance to meet. Obviously, they're not going to meet with all 86, but a lot of the big players are there and they're able to you know, have those conversations. There are some that won't be there because they're still active. Kevin Korchinski is a, a projected first-round draft pick. The Seattle Thunderbirds uh, moved on in the w- to the WHL Finals, so he's not going to be available to be at the combine. But most other players, you're going to have a chance to have that conversation. And, and that's one of those little key pieces of the whole puzzle, the entire evaluation. Who is this player? What is he about? I mean, you know, and, and certainly Chris is, has, has been in those discussions and those meetings, and that can be a, a big factor. And really, when we're splitting hairs between picks, especially this year, where there's so much of a varying opinion of where everybody is, that interview very well could be that little tiny bit, that extra 1% that pushes a player higher or lower on the draft board. You never know what can happen in those interviews. Joe Smith had a great story in The Athletic this week about Andre Vasilevsky, who the Tampa Bay Lightning took with the 19th overall pick in their draft. They had an interview with him, and he was doodling. He was drawing a goalie mask, and they were wondering, what the heck is this guy drawing on his piece of paper? 
And at the end of the interview, they asked to see it, and it was a goalie mask with a lightning bolt on it. So there you go. He's been a, a huge <laughs> shot in the arm for the Tampa Bay Lightning franchise. And, of course, uh, always interesting to see first-round picks being used on a goalie. It's, uh, it's been an interesting trend that I think we, we may uh, – may, maybe not this year, but we'll probably can nope. see continuing <laughs> uh, as the drafts go on with how important goaltenders are to franchises. Thanks so much to Chris Peters. This has been another edition of the All-32 deli- – or, excuse me, the next wave with Chris Peters delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. Game one of the Eastern Conference Final tonight. You don't want to cook. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris, moving on to our daily face-off inbox question of the day, hashtag AskDFO. Chris, we saw 14 goals scored in game one of the Western Conference Final. Give me your total of how many we'll see over the remainder of the series. I think this is still going to be a high-scoring series, uh, not 14 a game, but I'm going to go with with eight a game, and this is going seven games, so six more, so 48 more goals is my guess. Where are you? Wow. So, so you're seeing it go seven. I think we end up with 50 more goals, so similar total, but I think it's even shorter than that. So I think some of these games are going to have another 10, 12, 13-goal game. Would not be surprised to see it. As Connor McDavid mentioned in his post-game comments, a mirror image almost to game one of the Battle of Alberta. 9-6, that was the scoring didn't really slow down from there as that series continued to unfold. So with two teams that are run and gun and like to trade chances, I wouldn't expect a lot changing in this scenario either. Let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk for our daily face-off, daily bet segment. Tyler, a solid night for you to kick off the West Final. Yeah, like uh, it was good because Evander Kane got a goal and we have him going over two and a half on the series. So a really nice start there. But my main prop yesterday that I went in on was Mike Smith over 32 and a half saves. And my thinking was the abs are going to pepper the Oilers in game one. And my exact line yesterday on the show was, I think this is a good spot as long as Mike Smith doesn't get pulled like he did in game one against Calgary. Darn. It's always the risk. Uh, <laughs> It's always the risk getting those goalie uh, save props. So we'll look to move on tonight as we uh, shift our focus to the Eastern Conference Final over at Points Bet Canada. As you can see, the Lightning are favorites, minus 180 to win this series. The Rangers are plus 150. One series-long prop I'm taking a stab at is Nikita Kucherov over two and a half goals. It's paying minus 118, and he only has four goals in 11 games so far in these playoffs. But he's shooting a full 6% lower than he did in the regular season. I think Kucherov is a little due here in round three. And while I do know that goals will probably be hard to come by, Kucherov over two and a half. I think that's a good enough spot, a little bit too low for a guy as talented as Kucherov. So that's my one series bet for this one. Tonight in game one, I was tempted to go with the under. But that minus 125 payout and the fact the line set at five and a half, it just... It doesn't sit right with me. I don't know. It's just something in my guts telling me that with the Rangers maybe having a lot of momentum coming off a game seven win, the fact the Lightning haven't played in over a week, I just wonder if maybe we'll get some quick offense early and maybe an empty net or ruins this thing. So I'm staying away from the total. I'm going with one player prop tonight, and it is a Victor 
Hedman assist. It's priced at plus 105. And I think that's a really good spot for a guy who not only has eight assists so far in the postseason, but he's hit this mark in three of his last four games, all of which came in that sweep against the Florida Panthers. I think this is a decent spot. We know Hedman logs a ton of minutes. He gets those top power play uh, minutes as well. He's on the ice a lot. The chance of him getting an assist, pretty good. Plus 105, solid price point there. I was tempted to go with Sorelli at plus 250, but I'm going to play it safe and just take the Hedman apple tonight, Frank. I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, tw- uh, 14 goals scored in the West Final and not a single one from Leon Dreisaitl to start the series. So if you were riding on him, a disappointing game one for you betters. I had a little cash on Zach Hyman to get a goal in game one. He came <laughs> through for me. So uh, going to be interesting, you know, if you were able to get in on the Lightning also, Tyler, before the series started, before game seven ended for the New York Rangers, the Lightning were only minus 130 on points bet to win the Eastern Conference. So a solid little bet there as well. So uh, lots to keep an eye on on the betting front. Thank you to Tyler for our daily bet segment. That brings us to Garbage Time with Chris Gear. Chris? Pretty cool scene at Ball Arena. The stars were coming out in Denver. John Elway, the uh, Denver Broncos legend, was in the house and made his way onto TV as well. What caught your eye about the sequence and segment? Well, what caught my eye is just that I think now more than ever before, you're starting to see players from the other major professional sports taking a liking to hockey and talking about hockey and appearing as guests on Hockey. You saw um, Shaq and Charles Barkley talking hockey on the TNT broadcast, uh, I think a couple of times this year. Uh, you had on Twitter Tom Brady and LeBron James uh, challenging each other to a shootout in hockey. So I think, you know, part of this relates to the ESPN and TNT deal and how they're focusing on, on the NHL more and they're really bringing attention uh, to the stars of the NHL game, which then translates to the stars of the other uh, major sports. So I think it's it's really great for the game. It shows that hockey's in a really good spot right now. Uh, the NHL has got a lot of uh, cool factor going on, and and I, you like to see it. Yeah, it is June, so that's also uh, National Please Like My Sport Month for hockey. Uh, the playoffs, everyone try you know try and get everyone on board as much as you can. Uh, we're welcoming new fans onto the bandwagon any which way you want to come on. Casual fan, diehard, whatever it is, uh, we've got plenty of room for you. And this Western Conference final, like if this doesn't do it for you with these stars going head to head, this speed, this much scoring, frankly, this much drama, well, I don't know. You may never like hockey. That's right. No, it's it's an incredible time. And then you've got you know New York, the biggest market in the U.S. on the in the Eastern Conference. So between uh, having the, the two of the well, probably four of the biggest stars when you throw in. Uh, Macar and Drysaddle on the West Coast, and then and then the biggest market in the U.S. It's it's a great time, and and I think hockey is going to grow rapidly uh, throughout the U.S. just because of all of the things that are happening with the broadcast and the teams playing in the in the finals. Here. So it's a good time. Yeah, fun to the watch. NHL could cook it up. I don't know that they could do it any better than these four teams advancing to the conference finals. Six number one overall picks playing in these two series as well. As we mentioned, the New York Rangers hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning game one at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern puck drop. 
Thanks so much to Chris Gear, to Tyler Uremchuk, to our technical producer, Alex Allard, and Chris Peters. That'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the Stanley Cup playoffs. And specifically, as we transition to our offseason coverage, we'll have some trade targets, boards, and top pending free agent rankings coming to you soon. Uh, thanks a lot. You know where to find us, 12 noon Eastern on Thursday. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.